0: Welcome, adventurers. We have come to the last tale of season one. When we first began, it seemed we had heard many tales, each their own. But in episodes ten and eleven, we began to see that there may be more to it. Many threads in one tapestry. Joel Regetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents Tales from the Dungeon Soldrig lay in the damp loam on a small rise, keeping watch to the south. Sol had risen a bell past, and the relative silence of night was being replaced with the rustle and chirp of birds waking in the canopy above. Behind, the barely audible grunted whispers of his advance party could be heard from time to time. They had been hidden in a small wooden depression since the middle of the night. If anyone or anything had stumbled across them, they would not realize it until it was too late. The rustle of leaves and parting of undergrowth revealed a cautiously moving hobgoblin who slithered on his belly, settling next to Soldrig. No sign of Iglak yet, General? The newly arrived goblinoid asked. Soldrig grunted and shook his head briefly in the negative. You have been watching since the middle of night. Shall I take the watch a while? Again a grunt and a shake of the head in negation. I will see him returned within the hour, or we will make our way south another half day's travel. After that, if there is no sign of him by nightfall, we will begin our retreat back to the main host. I will no longer risk our movements being detected without sign of reward, Captain. The captain made no reply at first, and then said, He will return, General. Soldrig turned his head to regard the captain. Optimism more and then turned back to watch. I caution against it. Patience, planning, discipline. Trust in these before optimism. They will serve you much better. Finding a route to make a surprise attack on Feld's Crossing from the north is worth the seven days we have spent scouting. If we can find a way to move our company unseen and make a quick and unexpected raid, we should be able to breach the northern gate and be inside the city in one day but I will not risk being discovered while trying to divide our forces. We will attack from the south in a single force if need be, though the cost in lives and time will be greater. Always knowledge before action. Of course, General, Captain Morop conceded. If there is nothing else. Soldrig did not reply. His attention was completely focused. As he stared intently ahead, he thought he caught some irregular motion on the horizon to the south. He tensed. Ten beats later, he relaxed as he saw, silently moving from tree to tree, a hobgoblin camouflaged in a cloak that matched the oranges and browns of the fallen leaves. Ready the troop, Captain Morop, he said without looking at him. Iglak returns. Iglac wolfed down rations and thirstily drank, as Soldrig and five others waited for his news. The remaining four hobgoblins of the party kept watch. The pace of Iglak's consumption slowed, and his chewing settled to a civilized pace. Swallowing the mouthful of food, he took one last drink from the waterskin he held, and then looked at the general and grinned. I have found a spot that meets our needs, general. It is little more than a day's journey south and west of here. It is a ruin of some sort, but it is entirely underground. It would be cramped, but we should be able to fit an entire company completely hidden from sight. Soldrig patiently waited as Iglak took another bite, and then seeing he had almost finished again, Tell me more, Iglak. What is the condition of these ruins? Swallowing, Iglak responded. I wouldn't know if they are human, elf, dwarf, or some other, but they appear very old and long abandoned. My scouting only uncovered a single entrance through a stone arch. There was a large set of doors once, but they have long since been compromised.' He paused, taking one last drink of water before casting the empty skin aside. From the arch, it proceeds directly underground. There are two smaller chambers before coming to a very large chamber where we could fit the majority of our host. There are a number of other chambers leading away from there. I did not explore much past the main chamber as I had been gone for over long at this point and was eager to report my findings. Soldric clapped a hand on Iglak's shoulder. You have done well, Iglak. He then turned to his right, where Morop squatted on his haunches. Ready the squad, Captain. After Iglak has rested for a bill, he will lead us to these ruins. Yes, General, Morop replied. Soldrig stood at the edge of a small clearing, staring at the stone arch ahead. With the remnants of the rotted doors that hung haphazardly from the stone, he had the irrational image of staring into the maw of some strange or ancient beast. Irritated at this thought, he quickly swept it aside. Such thoughts had no place in a disciplined mind. Soldrig slowly crossed the clearing. When he had reached the arch, He placed a hand on the stone and then ran it over the rough surface. Any idea as to the origin of these markings, Captain? Warop gave a small shake of his head. They are no language that I recognize, General. Soldreg turned, addressing his men. I will take no chances. I want every nook and crevice of this structure searched. If we are to stage here, I will tolerate no surprises. Traps, lingering monsters, mushrooms with odd smells. I want to know about them all. Soldrake drew his sword, turning back as he stepped through the archway. As he did, he called over his shoulder. Captain. Morop made a series of quick gestures, and with a few clipped orders, divvied up the squad into three different units. One unit led by Iglak stayed outside, spreading in different directions to find cover and keep watch. The other two units fell in behind Morop, proceeding through the arch into darkness. Morop paced, hands behind his back, waiting for the last unit to return. Soldrig had found a chair in decent shape and now sat nearly motionless, elbows on knees, chin on hands. The inspection had gone well so far. Iglaq's initial observation that the ruins had long since been abandoned were accurate. Other than the two nests of giant rats that they had made quick work of, there was no evidence the place was currently inhabited. Morop and his unit had cleared the east side of the structure, The great hall had eight entrances and exits, three on both the east and west walls, and one each to the north and south. The southeast door led to what had once been a kitchen area. There were no pots, pans, or utensils of any kind remaining, just a large hearth on the south end of the room and an oversized wooden table in the middle. Another door led from the kitchen to the east. It was a hallway that ran between five small rooms most likely sleeping quarters for whoever had once lived in this place. In the eastmost of these chambers was the first nest of rats they dispatched. The middle door on the east wall of the great hall led back out to the entrance via the two chambers that Iglac had reported on. The first past the main entrance was small and contained the remnants of broken benches on the northerly side. The stone floor was covered in dried leaves which had blown in through the long decayed front doors. It was here that they distributed and lit torches. The next chamber just before the great hall was larger than the first, with curved walls on the north and south sides. Carved stone sconces lined the walls, but no torches remained. The faces of both curved walls had an unusually rough texture. Upon closer inspection, it could be seen that they, like the stone arch, were covered in worn carvings of the same unknown language as well as a collection of diagrams that largely consisted of ovals and circles. Morop caught Soldrig staring at him. Morop shrugged. Soldrig grunted, and then proceeded through to the great hall. The northmost door on the east wall had led down a hall to ten cells, identical to those they had found by the kitchen, and another nest of giant rats. The door on the northern wall of the hall revealed the half-circle room, in which a few broken tables and chairs remained a few piles of staves and iron rings that had once been barrels. It seemed to be an old storage room, and nothing more. The structure was something of a mystery. Morop's best guess was that it was some oddly isolated group of dwarves. The carvings on the entrance and the antechamber shared some similarities with dwarven, and the structure was subterranean. However, the stonework was skilled, but less precise than he would have expected from dwarves and he had not heard of dwarves living in such small groups. He frowned as he paced. The last squad returned. Mourup stopped pacing. Soldrig sat up straight. Gervid, leader of the last squad, made his report. The door on the south wall opened to a hallway that was collapsed, ten feet past just where it opened, buried in earth and rubble. The south door on the west wall was a small closet. Nothing remained within. The central door on the east wall led to an odd circular chamber. Its roof, unlike the other rooms they had been in, was a dome shape with a stone chimney that led upward from its center. Below the chimney on the floor was a small circular dais. In the center of that was a stone pedestal, waist-high, carved to look like intertwined vines. It was Gervid's opinion that this may have been a temple or place of worship. Lastly, the north door on the west wall. A hallway to some more small rooms, possibly sleeping chambers, and then at the far west end of the hall, three bigger rooms, the first of which contained a desk at its center that appeared to be made of wood. But when they tried to move it, it was impossibly heavy, as if it were made from stone. A door leading to a chamber to the east from the desk room contained a shattered chest and a simple four-post bed frame collapsing in on itself. A few molded remains of what may have been a mattress or blankets hung from the frame slats. The last room south of the one with the desk had been a small study or library. Bookshelves made from the same stone wood material as the desk lined the walls, untouched by time. What few books remained were another matter. Those that Gervin and his men attempted to pick up, or even touch, crumbled to dust. The last oddity of this room was a humanoid skeleton, bones browned with age, that lay near the south wall. Rusted remnants of a chainmail shirt were all that remained of its clothing. Gervid assured Soldrig that they had looked extra hard for traps in this room, but had found none. Gervid completed his report. Soldrig regarded him for a moment. No other oddities or anomalies, Gervid stiffened a bit where he stood, mouth tightening. He ran the inspection through, over again in his mind. He drifted for a moment. Gervid, there is a crack in the corner of the room here. He heard Novleg say off to his left. Gervid opened a door to reveal. A small closet, totally empty. As he stuck his head in to peer up at the roof and poke briefly at the walls, he replied in annoyance. This place is old. There are many cracks. A big crack. Gervid shut the door, looking in the direction of Novleg. Well. Novleg opened his mouth as if to retort, and then closed it. He disappeared into the wall for just a second, followed by the sound of scuffles and scrapes, then muted cursing. Some more scuffles, and then Novleg appeared again, his armor and face dirtied. Gervid raised an eyebrow. Novleg said quietly, it appears to be a crack. Gervid cut him off snarling. Stop wasting my time, come on. Gervid came back to the present and swallowed as he saw Soldrig's mouth turning into a frown as the moment of silence lingered. Soldrig didn't appear in the mood to hear about Novleg's short-lived spelunking expedition, and quickly responded, nothing else general. Soldreg considered him for a moment longer, and then turned to Morop. Contact Colonel Utig. I want Scourge Company here as soon as possible. And then turning back to Gervid, take the men and report to Iglak. I want our perimeter expanded. If anything so much as breathes in this direction, I want to hear about it. Yes, General came Morop and Gervid's reply in near unison. Soldrig sat behind a large desk, listening to Morop speak. Just received Colonel Utig's update. The fifth squad has left the southern camp this morning. There is no sign any of the previous four squads have been detected yet. It seems our route is a good one. If all continues as planned... The first squad of Scourge Company should arrive here by tomorrow evening, and the full company should be here within eight days after that. Morop allowed himself a small smile. Feld's crossing will be ours soon. Morop's smile disappeared as he turned to the new noise coming from behind. Echoing up the hall came the sound of hurried footsteps and heavy breathing. This was quickly followed by the appearance of Iglak hurrying into the room, and then stopping to place his hands on his knees, catching his breath. Soldryg waited. Iglak slowed his breath, and then stood. There are people coming this way, four of them. If they stay on the path they are on, they will be here in just over an hour. What can you tell me of this party? Soldryg asked. As I said, four of them. Best I can tell, there are three humans and one sickly dwarf. Two of the humans were well-armed and armored. One of them was big, near as big as you. The other human just wore robes, and the little one was in leathers. As Iglak said robes, Soldreg muttered to himself under his breath, Magic user. And then, after Iglak finished, And do they know we are here? I do not believe so, General. Their pace is neither quick nor cautious, and they are not traveling with weapons at the ready. It seems an unhappy coincidence, Iglak replied. Iglak, recall the squad and meet me in the storage room as soon as you can. We will wait inside the ruin and hope these people pass. If they do not, we will ambush them in the main hall, Soldrig commanded. Soldrig stood, picking his sword and shield from where they lay on the desk, and then he turned to look at Morop. Optimism, Morop. I warned you. He said in a disappointed tone, and then made his way from the room. And so we come again to where season one started, in an old temple under a hill but there is something greater at stake than the lives of four adventurers. The entire city of Feld's Crossing. Stay tuned next week for the conclusion of Season (laughs) 1.